Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Welcome back to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am here today with Joshua Neal. He is an author that I met on Twitter. He had requested um, to hop on with me and have a chat a couple of weeks ago. We had some scheduling difficulties, so um, we were able to reschedule. So he is on with me today. We are going to have a blast. We're going to talk books. We're going to talk life. We're going to talk everything in between all the things that you guys have gotten used to. So grab your tea, grab your wine, grab your laundry, Caroline. We're going to get started. Joshua, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, thank you. What about you? I am good. I am. I'm going to have to set you talking here in just a minute because my cat has decided he does not want to be quiet today. Um, Mine is chilling on the windowsill right here as well. So I'm hoping he doesn't (laughs) make an appearance. Normally he'll just, he'll hop up on the bed and he'll just curl up in his little ball and go to sleep. And uh, today, apparently being off last week and not recording last week, put him off his routine and when that happens, he tends to be a little butthead. So, um, but yes, I am doing very well, um, other than my cat annoying me um, immediately as soon as we start recording. So um, while I go deal with him and kick him out, I am going to set you started on um, just kind of introducing yourself, talking about when you started writing, why you started writing, and something that inspires you. Sounds good. Um, yeah, so I'm Joshua Neal, um, young adult fiction author from Norwich in England. Um, I teach English as well as kind of my day job. Um, I've taught English at, a, at secondary uh, school level, which is kind of 11 to 16 years old. And I teach it now at a, a um, further education college, which is 16 to 19. Um, I started writing a about four years ago seriously I think Um, and part of the reason was kind of my experience in education Um, so many young people come through um, you know my classes having not read when they were young and it sets them back so much so a big part of yeah my kind of reason for writing was to try and write books that would engage the the kind of you know, young people that I, I've had in my classes over the years, really. Well, that is super cool. So it sounds like your your experiences as a teacher is uh, really inspiring. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, like I said, just seeing so many young people um, come in and out of my classes, like some possibly not even having a, read a full book from start to finish um, at any oh, point. So, so sad. it's really sad. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess it's for a lot of them, it was the same for their parents. So, you know, they, they didn't have anyone to, to kind of pass the, the love of reading down to them, or even if it's not a love of reading, you know, not everybody has to love reading, but reading is so important, even if it's not something you enjoy. Um, I kind of see reading like exercise, not everybody enjoys it, but everybody has to do it. Like it's, it's so important. Well, I mean, you have to read street signs and you have to read cereal boxes and you have to read ingredients lists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's reading is it it really is such a big, huge part of daily life. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not even talking about the the fiction books or the nonfiction books. I mean, you have to be able to read a textbook. You have to be able mm-hmm. to read a math problem. You have to be able to read a word problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I when you were talking about, you know, kids coming into your classes and not ever having, you know, read a full book, 
I remember um, here in uh, the U.S., we call it high school, mm-hmm. uh, which is um, typically 14 to 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started high school, I would be in English class and the um, the teacher would, you know, go around the room and have, dip, you know, various students like read passages from the books mm-hmm. that we were studying. And I remember being absolutely heartbroken that there were kids who were 14 and 15 years old struggling to read simple sentences. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not even, I'm not talking James Joyce here, y'all. You know, I'm, I'm talking fairly simple books that were typically at a seventh to eighth grade Mm -hmm. reading level. Yeah. And these kids are struggling. Yeah. And you know, it just, I remember just going home and telling my mom that, you know, I just couldn't believe that there were mm-hmm. kids who couldn't read, basically. Yeah. It was, um, and it wasn't that they couldn't, it was just that they struggled. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, she just basically told me, she was like, kids that, you know, went to public school, they didn't get the you know the one-on-one teaching that you did you know mm-hmm. my sister and I were homeschooled for most of our education and because there were only two of us my mom was you know she was able to you know instill that love of reading uh, that you were talking about before and you know cause she was <clears throat> big huge bookworm and, you know, so she was able to instill this love of reading in us. But at the same time, she was also able to give us that one-on-one instruction and that one-on-one mm-hmm. teaching that not a lot of kids get. Um, you know, not a lot of kids have the parents at home that are super involved in their education. They don't mm-hmm. have the parents at home who encourage that type of learning and it's heartbreaking it really yeah, is for sure. yeah so the I, I teach at a further education college now so I teach students who have just left high school um, and they'll go on to do a vocational course of some kind um, you know vehicle maintenance hairdressing and beauty something like that um, and if so in the UK I'm not sure if there's something similar in the US but in the UK mm-hmm. if you don't get a grade four uh, our grading system goes from a one to nine. If you don't get a grade four in maths and English, you have to retake those um, when you, you know, go on to college or an apprenticeship or whatever you do beyond high school. So those are deemed kind of the two core subjects and your, your maths and your English needs to be at, at this particular level. So I teach all of the students who didn't get a grade four at high school and they have to continue on, um, you know, and, and hopefully obtain that whilst they're at college. So all of the students that I teach have a level of English, which is below what the government deems kind of the required level. And I would say, you know, these are 17, 18 year olds for the most part. And I would say the average reading age of a student in my class would probably be 12 to 13, I would say. So, yeah, it's like you said, it's it's heartbreaking. But it's, it really is. But at the same time, thank God for people like you <laughs> that are mm-hmm. that are willing, you know, to to help these people out, because, I mean, we um, you know, when you were talking about they have to get a grade four, it's mm-hmm. um, in order to get into college, most colleges, um, you have to take either um, an acceptance test. Mm-hmm. or um, the SATs or the ACTs. Mm-hmm. And um, certain colleges will require a like a base score. And mm-hmm. we have, uh, we don't call it math and English, we call it math and verbal. Mm-hmm. Um, but for most colleges, you have to get that, that basic yeah. score in order mm-hmm. to be considered, you know. And then there are, a lot of colleges such as Harvard, Yale, Princeton, mm-hmm. MIT, <clears throat> where they're looking, <coughs> excuse me, I'm so sorry. No, no, you're where fine, you're looking, 
they're looking not just for those basic scores, but they're looking for the exceptional scores. They're mm-hmm. looking for the almost perfect. Yeah. And, you know, so, and unfortunately, there are, there are a lot of kids out there that, you know, maybe their parents didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. And so they've just never grown up with that as really as an option. And mm-hmm. so they just kind of coast through school and just don't really do much with it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're 18, 19, realize they can't get a job without it mm-hmm. and, you know, want to be able to support themselves. Maybe their parents are struggling financially and they're like, I have to go to work. Yeah. I can't do that unless I get some additional education. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're, you know, on this road that they weren't expecting to be on and, yeah. you know, having to go back and getting that additional education. And mm-hmm. it's, I mean, we, we have, um, you know, additional uh, continuing education classes. We have um, vocational colleges. We have, you know, all of that kind of stuff over here mm-hmm. as well. And, um, you know, a lot of times the, um, what we call remedial courses are in the college itself. And so, you know, if you go to like a local community college mm-hmm. and you test in and you do your math and your verbal and say, you know, your math skills are 60% of what they should be, your verbal skills are maybe 54% of what they should be, mm-hmm. then you know, that community college isn't necessarily going to say, no, you cannot come here. Yeah. But they're going to say, okay, before we can put you in these college level courses, Mm -hmm. we need to send you back to these, these other courses that Mm -hmm. are going to catch you up. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just add that additional level of help. And yeah, yeah, maybe a little more expensive in the long run, but you know, you're going to get that extra help that you need in mm-hmm. order to to get that leg up that that is required for college. Mm-hmm. College is not easy. <laughs> so when you say college, um, you mean university, don't you? University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we call college here is slightly different from what you call college there. Yeah. Well, we yes. have so so we have it's here. The terms are kind of interchangeable. Mm. But at the same time, not really. Like we have, like for us, the the college is like would be like here in um, in Oklahoma. We we would have like Tulsa Community College, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is the the base um, like lower degrees, like the associate's degree or the occupational degree, <clears throat> um, and then you have. <clears throat> the bigger colleges, um, which you would still call college because it's the that level of education. It's not mm-hmm. really that. Um, I guess we don't really consider it a like going to university or going to college based on level of education. Mm-hmm. It's more the size of the school. Um, yeah. Like we have, you know, Oklahoma State University. We have Oklahoma University. Mm-hmm. They're both big, huge schools. Yeah. But when someone says that they're attending OU, they're still going to say, I'm going to college at OU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's yeah. more of a, a term semantics thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Whereas here, the majority of people at college here would still be in high school in the US. They would be kind of 17, 18 years old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because we uh, finished school I, at, at 16. Yeah. I, I love learning new stuff about various um, things that people do um, mm. around the world. I, I think that's absolutely fascinating. And um, part of the reason why I love doing this podcast and having people on from, you know, everywhere. Uh, because it's I, so I, easy I now, isn't so it? You just things. talk to somebody across the world. I do. I have, um, I have an American friend that um he lives in new zealand i had him on Mm. Uh, that was super fun that that was a scheduling was interesting because he's like i think he was something like 12 or 15 hours ahead of me oh my god so in order to 
catch him at like noon his time. Mm. I had to record at like seven or eight the night before. Yeah, yeah. So it it was really interesting um, getting him on. Um, and then I have one friend. My friend Jay lives in. Um, oh, where does he live? He's like eight hours ahead of me. Um, mm. So he's you know over there somewhere. <laughs> Right. Europe. what country i want to say turkey but i don't think that's right um but yeah he's like eight hours ahead of me so that was mm. really interesting so but you know i just i love having all of these various you know writers and authors and you know people from just all over the world because you know we have different experiences in reading we have different experiences in writing we have different working habits we have different writing habits and mm -hmm. it's it's super interesting for me and then it's super fun for my listeners because you know they get to learn about all of these different processes and you know you could even have you know somebody from the u.s that listens to one of these episodes with someone from the uk <clears throat> and they could, you know, learn this new trick about writing that yeah. they didn't know before. And so it's just, it's super interesting to be able to bring all of these people together and, you know, just kind of connect us all in ways that we wouldn't have had previously. I mean, mm -hmm. when I was in high school, we barely had the internet. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and it was dial up and there was no way that I would have been able to do a, a thing like this. Anything close to this, no. Um, I remember playing online games where you would, well, I call it online. It wasn't even online. It was just multiplayer, but you would have to, I remember my dad would host them and people would have to bring their entire computer over and then kind of we would all plug them together with, I think LAN cables maybe was what it was called. But yeah, they would shift their entire like desktop PC over and we'd all sit around my dad's dining table and play Delta Force. <laughs> and, and now and now you just bring your your laptop that's like, you know, mine I think is like an inch thick maybe, if that. Yeah, yeah. We well, don't even need to bring it. Like you, you just game online now, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what what have you been writing lately? Do you want to talk about it? Um, yeah, so I have been writing things for my Patreon. So when my book comes out, I'm going to launch a Patreon kind of alongside it. So I've been writing the the supplementary materials for that most recently. Um, so I'm kind of releasing monthly uh, chapters from a secondary character's perspective from uh, the novel that's coming out soon, The Boy of Dust and Ash. So I've been working on those. So, um, is The Boy of Dust and Ash, is that your first book coming out, or do you have any others released? Uh, yeah, no, I have one book out already called The Debt Diary. Um, that's just a, a kind of standalone uh, dystopian, I guess, novel. Um, and then The Boy of Dust and Ash is the first in a, a new um, fantasy adventure, I would call it, series. Oh, I love fantasy series. I... Um... I just recently started a book series. Um, it's called Itani. Mm -hmm. And um, the I read book one and I, you know, got to the end and I'm like, I really need book two. Yeah. So I head over to Amazon to, you know, get book two for my Kindle. And I'm like, wait, I bought this already. Oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I own the first five books in the series. And I'm like, perfect. Okay, so it feels like Christmas now. So yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> so I'm good. Did you buy them all at once and then just? Well, it's a. About it until you read book one. I think it said it was like a gonna be like twelve or fourteen book series, and the first like eight or nine I think are out. Yeah. So I um when series are that long, I try to wait until at least book ten or eleven is out mm -hmm. before um like getting too far into the series so yeah. I will probably um read up through book five that I've got and then wait until the um the final books are released before mm -hmm. um before finishing out the series yeah. I I read one series I am I'm still really mad about this 12 book series mm -hmm. 
I'm thinking it's an 11 book series right. because book 12 is not released yet. Mm -hmm. And I don't find out that there is a book 12 until the end of book 11. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Tell me how that's fair. So I get to the end of book 11. It's a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it like goes into this author's note saying, oh, by the way, yeah, there's going to be a book 12, but yep. I'm not going to tell anybody anything about it because I'm still writing it. Nice. So you have to wait, which is bad enough, but you just have to wait an indefinite amount of time, which is well, definitely worse. And she's self-published, so mm -hmm. you know she probably has a day job, so you know yeah. she probably can't write 24-7. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'm like, I am. And what yeah. is this series? It's called The Shadow Demons Saga by Sarah oh, yes. Cannon. Nice. And it's so good. It's so much fun. And I, um, for my, I think it was my four, four year blogging anniversary this year of owning mm -hmm. the Picky Bookworm, um, I did a giveaway and I bought a couple of different people, um, books and one of um one of the people requested the first book in um that series because mm -hmm. the, the review nice. that i wrote was so much fun so yeah. i'm like just be aware it's 12 book series and book 12 is not out yet <laughs> just be aware because yeah stop it like book 10 <laughs> don't read what? book 11 yet just you're gonna regret it just don't do it why are you the picky bookworm then do you have very kind of specific I have very people. specific tastes. Yeah. I, I have, I, it's kind of my, my reading habits are very similar to my music habits mm -hmm. in that I will tell you, I don't like country music, mm -hmm. but there's like four country songs that I adore yeah. and will listen to on repeat. Yeah. I will tell you that I do not like historical fiction. Mm -hmm. But there's like maybe one or two that I really enjoy. Yeah. So while I have very specific interests, I have very specific genres and tastes um, that I enjoy reading. I do, I have been trying to kind of branch out into those, those various genres that maybe I didn't like as a kid or, mm -hmm. you know, don't find all that enjoyable. Uh, one thing I will say, indie authors, fantastic at getting me to diversify my reading. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have to be so much more kind of uh, persuasive and, you know, uh, you know, kind of encouraging people to buy their books directly, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. And, people, and yeah. they're, you know, they I've found that indie authors write the books they themselves want to read. Mm. And so they're going to make sure that their characters are amazing. They're going to make sure that their worlds are incredible. They're going to make sure their cover is beautiful. Um, you know, I, I was talking to a, a girl at my day job uh, the other day, and I was like, I am a cover judger. I, I am. I can't help it. I have tried. Um, I have tried to ignore bad covers. Um mm -hmm. But, and I am a sucker for a good cover, let me mm -hmm. tell you. But, you know, I I have, you know, seen books where the blurb um, on Amazon, uh, the synopsis, the book sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. And then I look at the cover and I'm like, I, I, yeah, oi, it's just, I can't yeah. do it. And um, oi as in O-Y, not oi as in O-I. Um, mm -hmm. For those, um English speakers out there. <laughs> I'm not saying hey, I'm saying oy vey. Um and that's oy is one of those uh British terms that I just I would love to bring over here to the US. Oy is just, good. Like instead of saying hey, I'm just like oh, go oy. Oy is rude uh, though. So like, much you, fun. Can't, you can't greet somebody with an oy. No, but you know, if you need to catch somebody's attention, yeah. you know, and you yell hey everybody's going to turn around. If you get yeah, oi, you know, not very many people are going to turn around. Yeah. So it's, you know, just one of those, um, I just have to learn how to do it with the British accent because mm -hmm. 
American accent and oi just it sounds weird. <laughs> um, and I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> you <laughs> happens every were once in a while. Saying um, about book covers. Oh about, yeah. Yeah. Synopsis is good. Yeah. The cover is bad. Oi. Yes, it's just. I mean, I I can't do it. If if the cover's bad, it does not matter how good the book sounds. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. Yeah. And you know, but on the other side of that coin, if the cover is absolutely amazing, but it's not necessarily in a genre that I would normally read, or mm-hmm. it's not a subject matter that I would normally read, if that cover's amazing. I am more likely to go in and read that synopsis or I am more likely to grab that book um, just out of curiosity because yeah. it's like, okay, this cover is amazing. I got to at least, you know, appeal to my curiosity. Yeah. And, you know, indie authors just, they have that on lock as far as, you know, in my experience, they just, they know people judge covers. Mm-hmm. We can't help it. It is a, it's a thing of the human condition. We just do. And they just, they have, they know because a lot of them are readers themselves and they know that people are going to do that and they want to catch the attention of readers and they want to, yeah. you know, catch that attention with that beautiful cover. So, um, okay. So we're almost 30 minutes in approximately. Um, what the, um, the book that you said you have released right now, um, mm. what is that about? Can you tell us a little bit about it? I can, yeah. It's kind of, uh, I said it's dystopian. It's kind of uh, climate fiction, more specifically. Um, it's about a young climate refugee um, who has moved from um, kind of an undisclosed country somewhere to Britain um, because of a worsening kind of climate um, situation um, and it's about his struggle to survive on the streets in um, a, a situation that's not only affected by the climate but also by kind of worsening relationships with foreign countries as well it's kind of Brexit inspired I wrote it um, you know when Brexit was kind of in in full swing um, so yeah, it's about this this climate refugee struggling to survive in a, a country that doesn't want him there, um, but in a country that he needs to be in because it's unsafe to be elsewhere. Essentially, that sounds really interesting. I am, I am an absolute sucker for a good dystopian mm. and climates. Yeah. I natural disaster movies are my absolute jam. Yeah. You know, like um, the day after tomorrow, that movie mm-hmm. with um, Jake Gyllenhaal and yep, Dennis yep. Quaid. Um, love that movie. Um, Dante's Peak. Um, it was an old '90s movie. I've seen that um, one. With uh, Pierce Brosnan and um, oh, the lady that plays Sarah Connor. Um, please don't be mad at me, listeners. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> and what I am not helping you out. I am awful with actors <laughs> and actresses. I am not um, helping you out. Well, listeners will no know idea. who I'm talking. Listeners will know who I'm talking about. It's the lady that played Sarah Connor in the original Terminator movies. Um, so someone, t- like, let me know on Twitter, because um, my brain is, like, it's left the building. Um, and my camera just froze. Um, so you get to see me thinking, and I'll pensive for a little while. Is it Linda uh, Hamilton? Linda Hamilton. Thank you. Thank I'm going to try turning my camera off and back on so that it will see if I can get that working. And... It is not going to work for me. Okay, so my camera is off. Um, you can no longer see me. But um, but yeah, so it's Pierce Brosnan and um, Linda Hamilton, and it's a volcano movie. Mm-hmm. And it's you know about they go to this. Thank you, honey. They go to this um, tiny little town called Dante's mm-hmm. Peak, and it's you know the volcano there called Dante's Peak um, has been sending off really odd readings uh, mm-hmm. to the uh, United States Geological Survey. And so they send Pierce Brosnan over to Dante's Peak to check out the mountain. And um, 
you know, the, the townspeople are all like, you know, the town council, they're like, Hey, I thought this volcano was extinct and it's not extinct. It's dormant. Um, (laughs) and it may be waking up. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's one of those natural disaster movies that, you know, the volcano is going to wake up. Um, I'm not going to (coughs) say, excuse me, I'm not going to say too much past it because like, how it wakes up and you know the the things that happen um after that it's it's just one of those movies that it may not have the greatest special effects but it has a really great story mm-hmm. it's got you know really good characters and um you know it's just it's one of those natural disaster movies that i think i could probably watch every day for a month and not get tired wow. of I'm not sure I could do that uh, with any movie. I struggled to (laughs) just to watch a movie twice. Oh, I I have um, I have ADHD, so it's it's comforting Mm -hmm. to watch the same movies, but also I struggle with trying to decide if I want to watch a new movie that I've never seen before. So I really struggle with that. Yeah, I can definitely relate to. It usually takes my husband going, hey, I want to see this movie. Let's watch it. And he's yeah. just played. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then I end up really enjoying it. But mm-hmm. it's not, you know, if I'm left to my own devices, I'm going to go back to those comforting movies. I'm going to go yeah. back to the TV shows I've seen a million times. Yeah. Just because I don't want to have to decide. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's Yeah, I definitely struggle. do that. I'm- I'm more a TV show guy than a than a movie guy. I definitely do that with TV shows. I've I've pretty much just watched the same ten sitcoms just on repeat, just oh, no. for as long as I can remember now. Yeah. Okay, so which ten? Um, The Office. Both Amer- American UK, or British? I prefer the American one, but I will watch the British one from time to time. Um, King of Queens is a personal favorite, underrated, I think. It's the Kevin James one where he's the delivery driver. Yeah. Uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, Frasier, and then British ones like People Just Do Nothing, IT Crowd, um, This Country. I'm not sure how close I am to 10, but those are definitely <laughs> all on the rotation. Probably a few others. The Inbetweeners. So did you ever see um, it was it was a BBC sitcom did you ever see um coupling i think is what it was no it's um it's a a british sitcom and it's six six friends Mm -hmm. you have two in um two in a relationship you have the um the serial womanizer you have the the poor guy who couldn't get a date to save his life um you have like the uptight businesswoman um, who is desperate to get married. You know, mm-hmm. you have the, the your basic, you know, sort of friends stereotype, like group of friends. Um, it looks very frenzy. And it's it's really cute. To be perfectly honest, it's really yeah. cute. Um, I I've watched it a couple of times uh, when I can find it. Um, it's it doesn't come on very often here, but every once in a while I can find it. Um, and I'll go through. I think it's like three, three seasons. Yeah. Um, so it's really cute. Um, if you ever want to give it a shot. Yeah, it looks decent. Yeah, it looks very very frenzy for sure. So just it's better than the American Friends because it's not as homophobic. Right. Uh, that um and they're they're not as mean to each other that was one thing that friends was it was great at the time and and seb i'm just gonna apologize to you right now if you're listening um my friend seb from ireland is a huge friends fan Mm -hmm. i watched i watched all 10 seasons i loved all 10 seasons tried watching it again um a year and a half or so ago Mm -hmm. I think I got through like maybe an episode and a half and I was just yeah. like, okay, 
this show did not age well. No. <laughs> it did not age well because, you know, they they lie to each other. They're mean to each other. <laughs> they, you know, their boundaries are horrible. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so I was just like, I was watching it. I'm like, I don't know that I could do this show again. I just yeah. don't. Yeah, some um, shows just don't age, do they? They that show did not age well. There's other shows that I will, I will still watch. They were '90s shows. I will still watch them. I will still enjoy them. Early 2000s shows, mm-hmm. um, but that one just, that one just did not age well. I, no. our society is so much different now than it was then, and um, you know, it started the year I started high school. So I was oh no way 14. Yeah, I was 14 yeah. when that show started. And now I'm just like, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I just can't. Um, actually, no, I'm not going to apologize for that. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize. Um, no, I cannot watch that show again. I will apologize to the people who still love that show, but no, I cannot. So what, we're going to switch subjects again. What are you currently reading? Anything good? Um, Right now, I'm working my way through a little gift box that my sister got me for Christmas. Um, she gave me like a a book, um, a book a month, like calendar, basically for Christmas, which I thought was a really cool gift. Um, so I'm reading a book from that. Um, I am reading a couple of indie books at the minute. Um, so I run a, an indie book club kind of through my website and through my social media and things um where i get kind of indie authors to you know send me their books um and then i just post it out to kind of the the book club members each month it's just a free online book club but focusing primarily or exclusively in fact on um indie authors i like to read a lot of non-fiction um as well though i, I maybe even prefer non-fiction to fiction um these days so anything that you would want to recommend to our readers? Anything from your indie book club, maybe? Because um, we are all about the indies here at the Picky Bookworm. So so I just got done finishing Humanity Lost. Um, that was the most recent book on the indie book club. Um, that was kind of a um, space, not space opera exactly, but set in space kind of horror dystopian um, kind of book, which was good. Um, the Hundred Choices Department Store was really good as well. I know you said you didn't don't particularly like historical fiction, um, but I really enjoyed that book. It's kind of about a, um, a a Korean woman who looks back on her memories from her childhood of um, the kind of Japanese occupation of of her country, basically. Oh, that does sound interesting. Mm, yeah, it's really kind of. When I was reviewing it, I used the word delicate probably far far too often. But that was the word that just kept coming up as I was reading it. Because the book itself is is very kind of small and thin. The colours are very kind of um, like pastel-y and pale. So just holding the book, it looks and feels like very delicate. But then reading it as well, the prose as well is just so kind of like dainty. It's a really... Yeah, just kind of um, kind of yeah, just the aesthetic and the just yeah, it's, it's very delicate. It's yeah, it's super strange. The you know those of us who review books, especially the the descriptions that we come up with for mm. books, you know when. Um, when you were talking about, you know, this delicate book, it reminded me of this book that I read a while back that I must have used the phrase weirdly engrossing yeah. at least eight times. Yeah. Um, because it, I, I couldn't figure out why I couldn't put it down. Mm. But I had to keep reading because I had to keep, I had to know what was going to happen. I had to know what was going on. But then at the end of the book, I'm like, why? 
you know, and, and, you know, it was, why did I find that book so engrossing? Mm. Why could I not put that book down? I, and I gave myself about a week, maybe two, um, before writing my review uh, for my mm. blog, because, you know, it's like, well, I'll just let it ruminate. I'll just let it stew for a little bit and maybe I can figure it out. Yeah. why I enjoyed that book so much and I couldn't figure it out. And I finally yeah. just decided to, you know, write, write the review. And, you know, I went and looked at some of the reviews on Amazon and a lot of other people kind of had the same experience with the book mm. was, you know, I read his first book and it was really good. And then I read this one and I couldn't figure out, I, I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> So it was, you know, just one of those books that, you know, you find that that one description, such as delicate, such as weirdly engrossing, and you have to keep yourself from using that same mm -hmm. phrase or that same word all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> um, because, yeah, I was, you know, I wrote my, my review post and I was just like, it's weirdly engrossing. I can't figure it out. Definitely check the book out. Maybe you'll figure it out. If you do, <laughs> let please me know. let me know <laughs> why this book is so weirdly engrossing. And, you know, it was um, it was called uh, Many Are Invited by Dennis Cuesta. Right. And um, it it centered around two friends where one um, was when they met, one was the other one's boss. Mm -hmm. And um, the main character, whose whose eyes we watch the story through, he has this strange competition going on with this other guy, and you don't really find out why. Like mm -hmm. there, you just there's not any way, there's not any reason for it. It's just he is, you know. He knows this guy. He finds out that, you know, this guy has a crush on this girl in marketing or whatever. And so he's like, oh, well, I got to beat him to it. And so he goes to this other to this lady and asks her out and gets her to go out with him mm -hmm. so that his boss can't. Right. And, you know, it wasn't horrible and it wasn't it wasn't a despicable story or anything like that. It was one of those books that you honestly can't decide why you like it mm -hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was just really strange that way um so speaking of books that you can't decide whether you like or not and you can't figure out why do you have any books like that that you really really enjoyed but it's hard for you to explain why um Obviously not. I'm not sure I think I'm do. weirdo in that regard. Maybe. I'm not sure exactly books that I liked, but I don't know why. But I think the kind of weirdly engrossing kind of um, feeling, I definitely remember from uh, The Winter of Our Discontent by John Steinbeck. I didn't particularly like that book. So it's not something that I like and can't work out why. But that was something as well that was kind of strangely, strangely engrossing, kind of almost in the sense that I, I, I wasn't really enjoying reading it, but also I couldn't stop reading it. I wanted to continue reading because it was engrossing in some strange way, but also I, I, I wasn't really enjoying it. It's so, kind of the inverse of what you asked, but oh no, that's that actually makes total sense. Um, so what on the other side of that, what is a book that you have read? I will say in the past six months that you absolutely could not put down. You tell everybody about it. You recommend it to anybody who will listen, and you just absolutely adored it. To the point that you wish you could go back and read it again for the first time. Um, 
it's probably going to be a weird one and it's not fiction it's non-fiction but um probably blitzed i don't remember who that's by let me google it quickly but it's basically the story of um drugs in nazi germany essentially how everybody was addicted to basically crystal meth in the form of these little pills called pervitin potentially and then it also kind of tracks and documents Hitler's relationship with his kind of personal physician who gave him these vitamin injection injections vitamins in you know very emphasized air quotes so yeah probably a strange one but I I found it incredibly interesting that that does actually sound interesting um the world war ii is probably one of my favorite mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, historical subjects um, i actually wrote my senior uh, research paper my um, fourth year high school um, mm -hmm. we had to write a research paper and it was basically we had to do it in parts through the mm -hmm. whole year and so we had like certain parts uh, we had to do like an oral presentation um and we had to do you know all all sorts of various parts for our research paper throughout the year and then it was um the final paper was our final and so um i did mine over uh, the battle of the bulge mm -hmm. um in during world war ii mm -hmm. and it was super cool because that year um all of the history classes and my camera just froze again all of the history classes um, got to go to the school library and mm -hmm. um, we had a bunch, we had four, four, I think, um, older gentlemen that actually fought in World War II yeah. um, that would come up and um, talk to us. And mm -hmm. I, as much as I despised history in school, that was so fascinating to mm. me and so getting to sit there and listen to people who were actually there and actually mm. you know experienced things yeah. during world war ii um and so i got to tell them um that you know i was like i'm actually writing my senior paper on part of uh, world war ii world mm -hmm. war ii and you know that was one of the times that I learned old people love it when young people ask for stories. Definitely. Um, if you are, I would say, younger than maybe 50, mm -hmm. um, I would say go to like your local nursing home and mm -hmm. find somebody who maybe doesn't have family or doesn't have um, a whole lot of relatives to come and see them and just go talk to them. Mm -hmm. You are going to absolutely make their day, make their week, make their month. They, you know, and when I got to meet these gentlemen from World War II, um, they, I think, were almost as fascinated by me as I was by them. Yeah. <laughs> because they couldn't believe that this kid in high school was asking questions and mm. you know and talking to them and asking for stories and um you know just enjoying talking to them and it's you know they they want to be able to tell their stories they want to be able to feel like they've left a legacy behind mm -hmm. you know and those those four gentlemen can't remember what their names were <laughs> but obviously I'm still talking about them yeah you still remember five years later yeah. So, you know, they left a mark on my life yeah, and they yeah. left a legacy behind. So, um, you know, see if you can go find some, you know, older people to help them leave their legacy behind. Um, the I thing think is, they would really appreciate it. The thing is, as well, I mean, those people in particular, you know, they would have had um, stories to tell that would have been, you know, like fascinating and, and unique, um, even at, you know, that time, because, you know, World War world or two obviously is an almost unprecedented event you know almost every day would have would have been would have been a story essentially but yeah. even just you know regular people 
people. So like me, for example, I'm just a teacher. Like I'm just a regular guy. There's nothing particularly unique or special about me today. But if I'm fortunate enough to to still be alive, you know, 50 years from now, the world is going to be so different that just me being alive now is is a story you know just the way I kind of go about my life today is going to be a story for young people 50 years from now because the way I go about my life is so different from the way that they'll go about their life so like literally every single person in you know a a a kind of um elderly person's home like that is going to have unique stories because just the world was so different when they were young well, and even, you know, my, even my mom, she is like the furthest from needing to be in a nursing home, but you know, she will tell stories about her childhood and she'll tell mm. stories about her mom, um, my grandma, um, that, you know, are, are so different mm-hmm. from how we do things now, mm-hmm. you know, like <clears throat> she was just telling me the other day that, my grandmother would go to the beauty salon every week to have her hair done Yeah. when she, you know, when she could afford it every week, she went to the beauty salon to have her hair done. Mm-hmm. We don't do that now. We go when no. we need it done, but we don't go to just have somebody style our hair mm-hmm. and, you know, have it last a week. You know, yeah. we will go and have it cut or we'll go to have it shampooed. And then we have the tools at home and we just do it all at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's, you know, the way that my mom grew up and, you know, the experiences that my mom had are so different from the ones that I had growing up mm-hmm. and the ones that I'm having now. Yeah, so, sure. you know, ask those questions, mm. you know, find, find those people who can tell you those fascinating stories. Yeah. And, you know, I, I honestly believe that it's going to add value to your life when you mm-hmm. can do that. Um, you know, because you're going to find that person who you could sit and listen to them for hours mm-hmm. to talk about their childhood, talk about their experiences and, you know, just, you know, enjoy listening about those differences. And, you know, so anyway, that is, your homework for the week um, <laughs> <laughs> to go find a, to all my listeners, uh, it's your homework. Uh, go find a, an old person at a nursing home. Um, and cause that's, I mean, I may try to do that myself actually this week, but. Um, I, did ex- I did exactly that a, a few years ago. We kind of, I was took part in like a, a kind of summer camp type project um here in the uk um up in leeds and we did that kind of part of it was kind of outreach and charity and that kind of thing um and our group yeah went and visited um yeah one of these one of these homes um and as you said yeah the 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 people you know the residents at the home absolutely loved it yeah um just completely made their day but it really did change the young people that i was working with as well when they came out like some of them cried some of them cried when they came out just because it was just such a new experience for them just because you know some they'd really connected with some people um and before we went in you know they weren't particularly looking forward to it you know it was go and sit around old people for the afternoon didn't you know particularly sound appealing to them but they came out and yeah they'd connected with these people and yeah they'd listened about their lives and and formed kind of temporary but you know real relationships with them and yeah literally moved some of them to tears well, and it, you know, like my experience with the, with the gentleman from, you know, World War II, you know, it, it will change your life and, mm-hmm. you know, in, in good ways, because it's going to add that, you know, it's going to give you a story, mm-hmm. you know, for example, and, you know, it's, hey, you know, it's going to help you connect with, you know, the friends of your generation too. Hey, do you remember that time we went to the nursing home? Mm-hmm. Mrs. Johnson was super funny, wasn't she? Um, And, you know, so it's, you know, it just, it helps connect all of us humans in the world um, and, you know, helps these, these older people leave behind their legacy and it helps, you know, younger people learn, you know, to start building a legacy because Mm -hmm. we're not going to live forever. Mm -hmm. We want to think we are. 
but we're not. And, you know, so it's, it's always good to, you know, kind of look back on other people's legacies and, you know, learn how to start building your own. So got really philosophical. <laughs> got a bit deep there, didn't we? Not even really sure how we took that tangent, but I am not surprised. Honestly, it tends to happen a lot um, <laughs> here on the Piggy Bookworm. Um, we talk books, but we I get into some really interesting conversations with people. Um, I have um, I've had a couple authors in the past that you know they're like, "Hey, can you send me like a few questions in advance?" And I'm like, "I." Mm these are the questions that I tend to ask every time, mm -hmm. not in the same order, but most of the time I just like letting it go where it's going to go. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes it for, it makes for a very authentic conversation. It's more, mm -hmm. you know, I call these Saturday chats yeah. for a reason, you know, they're not, we're not just talking books, you know, and part of my introduction at the beginning is, books life and everything in between mm -hmm. I you know I try really hard to um make sure to mention you know the author's books and you know try to you know and I have certain uh, routines that I try to follow but most of the time I I just kind of let it go where it's gonna go because mm -hmm it you get into some really interesting philosophical conversations yeah, well, yeah and that came um, from discussing books you know it came yeah from book exactly yeah, yeah. so um we have about four minutes left or so this hour has flown by it really has um and so before we go let people know where they can find you um and if they want to join the Indie Book Club, um, let them know that where they can do that as well. Um, so Indie Book Club, you can um, subscribe via my website, which is just joshuaneilfiction.com. Um, and then everywhere else is just at joshuaneilyaf. So Joshua Neil, like young adult fiction, basically. And that's TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, threads now as well. Um, what is yeah. threads? What is threads? So Threads is basically Meta's new version of Twitter, essentially. You know, Facebook, it Instagram. Uh, it, it's essentially the same as Twitter from my experience. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure how, how great I feel about supporting Meta, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, Twitter is Twitter is like getting on my nerves. So <laughs> yeah, not, I'm, not, I'm not the people of Twitter. Of not, of them. Not my author friends. You guys are fantastic. Um, if I knew how to build my own social media site, I totally would. Mm -hmm. um, just for you guys. But um, but no, Twitter, Mr. Musk, is he's kind of irritating me. So <laughs> I, <laughs> he's a divisive figure for sure. I, I don't know. Um, but I might have to check this threads out. See yeah. if, see if it's good. Very yeah, small differences yeah. between that and, and Twitter, but from my experience, it's essentially the same. I I really liked Hive, um, Hive Social, yeah. but it was, you know, and Mastodon was okay. Mastodon was way too hard to find people to follow. Mm. Um, and Hive just, you know, never quite caught on enough to have, yeah, like, the, I... you know, because I've got this big huge group of people on Twitter that I can go connect with and mm. you know just having to start from scratch I think is <laughs> I think that's what frustrates me is I don't yeah, sure. have to start from scratch yeah um okay so I I'm gonna check out threads um I think that is going to be um, my homework uh, for later today we are we are going to celebrate my birthday uh, today oh, nice. happy we were, birthday Thank you. Um, it was last Sunday, um, but we were unable to um, do a whole lot uh, last weekend. So mm -hmm. we are going to go hang out with family and go play pool, um, nice. billiards. Um, and <laughs> we're not going to the pool to swim. Uh, we're going to play billiards. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And during the summer, you always have to clarify because um, yeah. you never know. But um we go do that every year um, for my birthday, and 
um, having cake and all of that stuff. So that's nice. going to be super fun. I'm really excited. Um, yeah, enjoy that. That sounds good. Making my cake, and I'm. Um, I wasn't when I picked out my cake. I was not thinking colors. I was thinking mm-hmm. flavors. Yeah. So I ended up with a yellow cake mm-hmm. with butterscotch pudding in between the layers. But the nice. butterscotch pudding is orange, so you have a yellow cake, orange pudding, and then I picked out a vanilla frosting that's green. Nice. <laughs> Getting close to a traffic light cake. <laughs> so my husband brings up the, the fact this morning, he goes, yeah, it's a yellow cake, orange pudding, and green frosting. And I was like... You're right, though. It doesn't matter what it looks like at all. all I will have to like. take a picture of it. I, I will have to do that because yeah. it's, yeah, I I was not thinking colors. I was thinking flavors. So yeah. I'll keep an eye on your, on your Twitter. <laughs> I, I will be sure to post a picture of it. Um, but anyway, so we are almost out of time. Um, thank you, Joshua, for coming and chatting with me today. It was an absolute blast. I had such a good time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, same. And have a wonderful rest of your evening and And, a wonderful weekend. And you, enjoy your birthday uh, celebrations, related as they are. Thank you. I will see you. I'll see you on Twitter. Cheers. Bye. Bye.